Hi, I'm Harriet, a mental health professional and educator, and this is Dawn Breaks, the podcast all about finding hope and maybe also healing after reaching rock bottom. During this week's episode, we are going to be talking about addictions, and this is me giving you a heads up about that. Particularly today, we're going to be focusing on food problems and problems with our eating, but we will be touching on drug addiction and alcohol addiction as well. This is such an incredible episode, and there is something in here for everyone, so dive in and just enjoy the process. Welcome to this week's episode of Dawn Breaks and I am delighted to welcome Lorraine who's going to be joining me today. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to hearing a bit more about your story. So I know you know a little bit about the podcast and what I like to do is not give you a big introduction yet, but we will get on to all the amazing things you're doing a bit later. But before we start, how are you today? How are you doing? Good, good, yeah. It's Friday, feeling good. Yep, happy, looking yes. forward to a nice, relaxed weekend. Oh, lovely. That sounds good. It is Friday. So, I wonder if you can take us back to a time when you were feeling quite low or potentially a bit hopeless, and you might be able to describe that to us as in a level that you're comfortable with and share with us a little bit about that, what that time was like for you. Sure, sure, yeah. When I was preparing, I was thinking, gosh, which one do I pick? (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Been a a few of them, but I think for me, the most recent, most memorable one was Mm. um, I was coming up to being 40, and I really wasn't too worried about becoming 40, or so I thought, and Mm. I... I basically, all my life I've been up and down with the weight. So at this point, it was 2017. I was about 16 years clean and sober from drinking drugs, but I was back in the food. I was back eating again. So the food had come and gone. I'd been everything kind of from size eight to 18. Uh, At my largest, I was 104 kilograms. And at this point, I was probably back to around 90 something. Okay. And I was back eating and I was in a very, very stressful job. I was working 60, 70, sometimes 80 hour work weeks to wow. get this big project done. Okay. And I was eating. So I would go to work and I would come home and behind me, there's a couch that I would come and sit on and I would binge watch TV and just eat three or four ice creams a night. And I just was miserable. So on the outside, everyone would have thought, you know, like I was busy and I kept, that's what I used to say. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Uh, But I really was like work, 12 step group and home and eating. And I turned 40 and I kind of like run in the run up to it. I was like, didn't really, 40 was just a number. But when I hit 40, I seemed to spiral even lower than I actually was already feeling. So I was 40, I was single, I'd been single for a long time. I was back in the eating, I was back up to 90 kilograms. I was sober, you know, Mm. not drinking or taking drugs, but mentally I was not feeling very sober. I was having anxiety attacks. I was back on antidepressants at that point. Mm. I'd been on and off them for 16 years uh, with anxiety. I ended up calling ambulances thinking I was dying with, with major panic attacks, you know, thinking that my throat was closing and I couldn't breathe so I was back in that kind of place of having anxiety attacks again and I did this um, uh, a skydive fundraising for SPCA and I had a 40th birthday party and all these people came and it was you know lovely and they all donated to the skydive and you would think that I'd had this amazing party and it was and it was Mm-hmm. But I came home and it was like midnight, you know, gone midnight. And I drove around four petrol stations in the middle of the night to find the specific big hokey ice creams that I was addicted to uh, until I found them because they weren't at the first three petrol stations. And then I sat okay. feeling sorry for myself after my beautiful party. Right. And I was just really, really like the low, like I'd been low before when I got sober. You know, I got sober at 24. I was pretty low there with the drink mm. and the drug. But this time it was like, I think it felt even lower because there wasn't really anything that I could really pinpoint. I mean, I was working a lot, but there wasn't anything external that I could say, well, it's because of this or that other than the eating. 
And I just right. felt, I felt really, really anxious, depressed, you know, but, but on the outside, I'd say to everyone, no, I'm fine. Life's good. Life's good. And mm. so there was like a mismatch between mm. what the world was seeing, uh, the sufficient, effective project manager, you know, leading a team, delivering a project to this person at home who was sitting here miserable, eating ice cream every night. Right. That's so interesting what you've just said, because you're so right that sometimes these low points hit hit us and it's not immediately obvious what it is that's gone on. And there it might not be a specific trigger, like you said, but potentially a birthday, a big birthday that you weren't really thinking about it being a big deal ends up being a bigger deal because yeah somehow it brings all of that home and makes you more aware of all of the things that maybe weren't the way you wanted them to be by 40 there's all these comparison you know comparisonitis that comes in doesn't it Uh, you definitely like like big landmark birthdays yeah that's so interesting and so from this outside perspective you look like you had it all together and you're happy you'd had this amazing party and you've done all these incredible activities but inside things weren't as good and you weren't feeling as good yeah yeah so you know like I look at photos and I'm smiling and I I look at photos even when I'm 104 kg and I've got this amazing smile on my face as if I'm really happy but I know that how I felt on the inside you know, like the insides just didn't match. And a lot of people would say, fake it till you make it. And I, that wasn't working for me, Mm. you know, like I, the faking it was what was real. (laughs) I wasn't getting the making it, but I was just getting the faking it. But, and just putting myself under so much pressure with the job that I was in and was just really miserable. And I think 40, I was already, I was already miserable, but the 40 triggered it. Mm-hmm. even more so you know like because I was like I'm single I've got no children I've got no relationship I've got a lovely house and that's great that I've managed to get a house on my own and all these things but it wasn't filling the hole that was within me right and there's something there about having the opportunity to reflect back and maybe realizing life isn't how you expected or maybe exactly what you were hoping for or wanted and potentially it sounds like in work it was going really well for you perhaps but in your personal life, it wasn't exactly what you what you wanted. And there was something you said you described needing to fill a hole there, which I can totally relate to that kind of that emotional need to fill with something. You know, people use yeah. loads of different things, don't they? Just like you were saying about drinking drugs earlier on in your youth and then kind of using food later on. And I think food is a much more acceptable crutch isn't it that people use but it's just as addictive as as any kind of addictive substances and it can be really difficult to unpick some of the feelings around that as well because they're so complex and and many layered as well there's lots and lots of reasons why we might reach to food to give us comfort when we don't feel like we're getting the comfort or the love maybe that we're looking for around us Absolutely. And to be honest, out of all the addictions I've addressed, food and the sugar was the hardest because you can't just cut it out. I mean, right. you can't just not eat. You <laughs> yes. know? So, you, so, you know, like you cannot drink, you cannot drug, you cannot smoke, you know, um, but you have to eat. So you have to find a way to be able to let go of the addictive foods, uh, you know, and, and not have them and but still eat or, you know, and then, well, for some people, all food can be addictive. It's just the, the, mm. the act of the act of eating. But for me, it was very much the sugar. Sugar was was a huge, you know. So I would eat king size bars of chocolate. You would know, being in the UK, there's the there's the well, there's the one kg galaxy. Yes, um, yeah, yeah, the big ones. Yeah, I used to eat one of those in a day at work, wow. sitting at my desk, and then wow. I'd go home and eat eat more, you know, mm. when I lived in the UK. And then when I came home to New Zealand, there was um, a bag of marshmallows with a litre of custard. And I used to put the bag of marshmallows in a bowl with a whole litre of custard and eat the whole thing. Like, wow. so I used to make my, not make myself physically sick. I wasn't mm. bulimic. I liked to eat, keep the food in. I loved the food so much. But I was a binge eater. So I would right. have these massive binges. And then over my life, I, I got a personal trainer and I dropped mm. the weight and I got really fit. And then I had an injury. And so then I stopped exercising and I started eating again. 
um, I did a hundred kilometer um, Oxfam trail walk, um, mm-hmm. raising money for Oxfam. Wow. And I started eating chocolate on that walk. I was sugar free. And then I started eating chocolate because I needed energy. That was the yeah, excuse I gave myself. And uh, now I know there's so many natural ways to get energy, but that was my excuse. And then that crept back up. And then once the walk had finished, again, the weight all came back on. Right. And every single time the weight would come on more than the last time. Right. So, you know, like the sizing was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But this time when I was 40, like when I used to drink, I used to go to the off license and I used to say, how many bottles of wine do you think I'd need for a dinner party of six? (laughs) But (laughs) it was really just for me. Mm, But I I would feel embarrassed buying Mm. that much alcohol, you know. Um, And the the person selling it to me probably wasn't thinking this is all for me. They just were selling me alcohol. But my own shame and my own Mm. fear around knowing people knowing how much I was drinking, I'd make up stories like that or go to a different off license. So not go to the same one every time. Okay. So, so they didn't say so, so people didn't see you. And so with the food, I used to do that. But towards the end of the overeating around that age of 40, I just went to the same dairy every single day. And I went and I got my four ice creams on the way home. And then I went the next day and got four ice creams the next day and got, you know, like I, I'd, I'd stopped all that kind of denial behavior. And mm. I just gone, I don't care. I'm just going to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I was getting some form of pleasure out of it. And right. you know, what I understand now is the mind will take you away from pain and towards pleasure. Yeah, And so I'd link, I'd link so much pleasure to sugar and ice cream that I just kept going back for more and more and more. Mm-hmm. But I was miserable and there's the pain. So, you know, like I've got, I've had a stressful day. I've done a 12 hour day, say, and I come home and I'm stressed and I'm stressed and the mind goes, here, have some ice cream. So I have an ice cream and then I feel guilty and bad and terrible and I, and I feel more pain. And then the mind goes, have some more ice cream. This cycle of pain, pleasure, pain, pleasure, pain, pleasure without the mind realizing that part of the pain was the, was the eating that I was doing, you know? Yeah, and it's it's a really hard one to see it as well, to, to see the problem because that means we're going to have to address it and unpack it a bit. And there's it, it's really interesting to me how many underlying beliefs we have around food because all of the attitudes we grow up with around food, all of the things we learn around food, diet culture that men and women are subject to these days and social media expectations, there's kind of a huge amount of stuff out there if you're struggling yourself there's a huge amount of shame that can then be piled onto your own personal shame that you might feel around eating and food and yet just like you said earlier sort of circling back it's an addiction that we can't cut out you know we can't we can't cut out like other addictive behaviors and instead we've got to come to a place that's more peaceful with it hopefully but it takes that addressing that sort of being brave and and really looking at it and I'm picking kind of why does my body want me to self-soothe in this way what am I lacking otherwise and are there beliefs around I need this weight to keep me safe or other things like that you know that is so complex isn't it the all of the beliefs that might be going on around around weight so I wonder what happened next after you hit that point of feeling really really low in yourself and and you'd had your 40th and you kind of had this realization that things weren't the way you potentially wanted them to be what what happened after that yeah so during that time of whilst I was you know raising money for the SPCA skydive Mm. while I was you know having lots of morning teas to raise money which is quite funny more food I was also trying to get the food under control. I did try a, a 12-step group that, you know, because they had worked, 12-step groups had worked so well for me for the drink and the drug. Right. But it just wasn't wasn't working for me. I was messaging a friend saying, this is what I'm eating today. And she was telling me I was trying different things. Uh, but what happened was I did the skydive. And on the day of the skydive, I was the top fundraiser. So I got sent a gift. Oh. And, and I got the gift on a, on a, it was a Friday, actually. And I got the gift. And I opened this box and there were, because it was SPCA, dog treats, cat treats, and then there were human treats. And oh. it was a box, a box of um, scorched almonds, so, you okay. know, chocolate-covered chocolate almonds. Mm-hmm. And I'd already had two ice creams by then, by the time I'd opened the box, and I ate the whole box. Oh, and wow. I went to bed, yeah, and I felt so sick. Like, I couldn't lie on my back because my stomach hurt so oh, much. I no. couldn't lie on my stomach because my mm-hmm. stomach hurt so much. So I was kind of like literally lying on my side in the fetal position. Mm. And I don't fully remember, but I 
I think I called out to my higher power and said, something has to change. I can't go mm. on like this. You know, I need help or something happened. And so I'm lying there miserable and 3.30 a.m., my, my poppet who's passed now, but she woke me up crying mm. and I got up and I sorted her out and I was like, what's going on? I got back into bed and I'm lying in bed and my head is racing mm. and it will not stop. And I'm, I'm, I hate my life. I hate my job. I'm fat. I'm miserable. You know, what's the point? What's the use? And so I decided to turn my phone on and watch something, anything to try and distract my mind because I couldn't get take cut you know, charge of my thoughts. Right. And previously in the week prior, somebody had sent me a video, a YouTube video of Marissa Peer mm-hmm. talking about the belief that I'm not enough. Right. And so I'd started watching it and then got distracted. Something had happened and I hadn't watched it. So I opened it because it was the last thing that I watched. I opened it and that was there. So I thought, what the hell? I'll just watch it. Mm-hmm. That was at about 4.30 a.m. By 5.30 a.m. I was in my living room with a piece of cardboard, magazines, cutting out of magazines, making myself a vision board because I'd had this amazing, amazing. Aha, yeah, like it was like, oh my God, I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. I'm not good enough alcoholic. I'm not good enough drugs. I'm not good enough food. I'm not, you know, like I really was good enough at my mm-hmm. job, but I didn't believe I was. Right. So I'm not good enough creating all this stress at work on myself because of how I felt. And it was just like ping, ping, ping going off in my, my brain. And I started like binge watching her videos. And I watched one that talked about sugar and it talked about how back in the tribal days, sugar was rare and scarce. Mm -hmm. So our mind believes it's rare and scarce. Like I'm not going to get any tomorrow, but in our 24 seven culture, I got four ice creams at 1am in the morning on my 40th, right? Right. So you can get it. It's not rare and scarce. And she, she did these exercises where she gets you to imagine you're eating a lemon and there's no lemon there. And I was just blown away. Like I was like, my mouth was salivating as if I was wow. eating a lemon. I was having this uh, reaction in my mm-hmm. mouth. I get it even now just talking about it. My mouth's like, oh, that's incredible. And I was like, I'm not eating a lemon. And it's my mind's responding. And so she talks about um, in this video, she talked about writing I am enough on your mirrors. And my mind was like, oh no, your handwriting's not even good enough. Oh, I was like, gosh. what? Mm. You know, like my handwriting's pretty messy, but I, that's because my head goes faster than my hand can keep up. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so I was just like, wow. So by the end of that day, I had to work because there was a really big project. It was the weekend and I did go into, into work and I made myself all these things. I am strong, I'm beautiful, I'm enough, looking at the one in front of me. I made all these little I am enough cards. They're in my fridge, they're in my pantry, they're mm-hmm. in my car, they're in my wallet. I wrote it on my mirrors in the end. I thought, hey, I don't care if my handwriting's not good enough. I put it everywhere. And that was the start of the shift. I had my last big hokey ice cream at mm-hmm. 5.30 a.m. consciously doing some of the techniques that she talked about okay and i haven't had a big hokey since wow and that was without any hypnosis or any therapy that i now do but it was like wow this is amazing and i started saying it and i would say it in the car on the way i'm enough i'm enough i'm enough and i started listening to some of her hypnotic you know downloadables and um we pay stuff i started you know i was reading her her book you can heal your life yeah and i was doing all her affirmations and i really started with affirmations uh it wasn't and that was in april 2017 okay and then by june 2000 2017 I was in London training with Marissa to become an, a rapid transformational therapist Amazing. because I, I watched her videos and I got to one that said you can do what I do mm-hmm. and I was just like yes I can and I knew it in this in my core of my being I knew that this was what I was meant to do I didn't talk to anyone I didn't talk to any of my mentors my, my sponsors my family I went to the bank I got a loan I booked the tickets I booked the course and I and I and then I told people I was going, How you know, like amazing. it was it was a total transformation. And then I've had therapy on myself since this, you know, and a lot of, of therapy to, to keep this going. But that was the start of my transformation. Uh, and now I sit around 66 to 68 kilograms consistently for the last three and a half years. That's amazing. Um, even, when I, even when I haven't been able to exercise as much or I've been sick or maybe I've had a period where the, you know, the eating's never, I've never got back to the binging, but maybe I've let myself have some things. I still sit consistently at, a, at that weight now. 
Wow. And I mean, what an incredible shift in that time. And and you were clearly ready for some kind of guidance from somewhere. You were ready and open for something to help you make a shift. And that's really interesting. You you talk about Marissa Peer and obviously that's what you've gone on to do. And for anyone who's listening who doesn't know about Marissa Peer, she is a rapid transformational therapist. And that's that is I'm right in saying that that is her term that she's coined for her type of therapy that she's designed. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, perfect. And she yeah has has all these incredible videos content out there which. Um, I've seen a lot of myself. I've done some rapid transformational therapy myself and, and I found it to be really, really helpful and quite a different style to other types of therapy. It's using elements of, of hypnotherapy, isn't it? Um, yeah, and... so there's elements of hypnotherapy, cognitive behavioural therapy, neuro-linguistic programming, you know, kind of lots of different techniques that Marissa has, you know, learned over 30 years and then put into her own method that she now trains other people to, to go out and do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's also really interesting to me that you, we talked earlier about that binge eating feeling of eating, eating, and you didn't even, you know, you described a time when you didn't even really want the food, but it was there and you almost had to eat it and you ate until you felt sick. And that is a really interesting thing to me because I think it's a real struggle with that. If you're someone who struggles with potentially sweet things I can relate to the sweet things or savory for some people it's savory and that idea of eating and eating until you don't even want that thing anymore but it's there and so you almost have to eat it until there's there's none left and then you were able to consciously make a decision that this would be your last ice cream of that type of ice cream that you loved and it really was and that's that's incredible in terms of the sort of commitment that you made to yourself and you were able to keep that through that decision and then through the affirmations reinforcing that. Um, it's huge because before that, you you know, for whatever reason, it just wasn't possible to make that commitment. It wasn't possible to, to have that level of, of control because it is, it's getting your control back, isn't it? Yeah, and it was interesting. You, you said something earlier about, you know, the, the need to eat or the weight for, for, for safety. Mm -hmm. So when I finally did have an RTT, a rapid transformational therapy session on the weight, whilst I was training in London, I was in a a session for someone else practicing and I I chose weight. And it was interesting because it was unwanted male attention, being hurt in the the past from, from men. My mind believed that if I was overweight, no man could hurt me. So, you know, it was a safety thing most definitely. There was also, when I went on, you know, further after I left London, uh, I've seen things like not allowed to leave the table until you've finished your meal. Mm. So, so you, so what that teaches the mind and the body is to override the feeling of fullness. Right. We all have within us the ability to know when we're hungry and when mm-hmm. we're full and we've had enough. Mm-hmm. But if you're constantly told no, finish it, and you're full and then you have to eat more, you're full and then you have to eat more. You're full and you have to eat more. Your mind goes, oh, well, I just have to eat everything on my plate no matter what. And so that's when we eat beyond full and we eat to feeling sick. And then we're all sitting there going, oh, I feel so sick. Oh, I feel so full. Right. It's because our mind and body has been telling us you're full, but the learned behavior is to override that. That is um, really fascinating. Yeah. Also things like falling over and hurting yourself as a child. I get a lot of clients, they've, you know, they've fallen over and their mum or dad or someone goes, oh, here, have a lollipop because they're crying and they're upset. Oh, so, okay. The mind goes, ah, when I'm hurt, when I do something, I have a lollipop. I have, right. a, you know, I have something sweet. Thing. I deserve something because I had a bad day or I got, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Uh. So it's like, and that becomes any type of pain, work pain, stress, emotions, physical pain. Not, It's not just like any time I fall over and graze my knee, mm. the mind goes, ah, when you're in pain, you know, so I was sitting in a coffee shop when I first started doing this. And I first started understanding the links with pain and pleasure. And, I, and when I first um, moved to working for myself, I went from an office of 150 people to myself in my lounge. It was quite quiet. Right. And I was like, well, I need some noise. So I used mm-hmm. to go to a coffee shop to just hear noise around me. So this one day I'm sitting at, this ca- at the seat and the counter's in front of me and there's a gluten-free brownie and I'm gluten-free. So my mind goes, I'm working away, you know, working, working. And my mind goes, when you leave, you're going to get a gluten-free bounty to take for afternoon tea. So I'm like, okay, then, and I carry on working. And then I went, stop, wait, I don't eat sugary stuff anymore. You know, like, why am I doing that? 
And I quickly just closed my eyes and I said, I'm the part of Lorraine that wants the gluten-free brownie because, and it said, because you're in pain. And I had a shoulder injury from a dragon boating accident, uh, oh you know, injury. Gosh. Okay. And my mind was, you've got a shoulder injury. And so I could go to the, I could say, well, that's not going to work because I'm still going to have the pain of the shoulder injury. Right. And then I'm going to have the pain of the brownie as well. So I actually don't need it. Thank you very much. I see why you're telling me, but I'll just deal with the pain and I'll take some paracetamol when I get home, you right. know, um, and do something for the actual pain, mm -hmm. not, not give myself a sweet treat. So when I started to have those types of things start to happen, I started to realize if it is in me saying, have the brownie. Mm -hmm. If it's in me, then I can say, yeah, I can see why you want the brownie, but I'm not going to do that today. Right. You know, oh. so I can talk to it. You know, I can talk to that part of me that goes, the brownie would be a good thing, Lorraine. You go, really? Is it? Yeah. And so that kind of stuff, when that first started happening, just wowed me. Like, I was like, you know, standing somewhere and my mind would go, oh, gluten-free banoffee pie. And I could go, <laughs> yeah, I can understand why you've never had banoffee pie, but that's okay. You know, you've had lots of other types of pie and cake and cheesecake yeah. and, and whatever, you know, like. And actually what I want is to be slim, fit and healthy and able to swim and dance and bounce and do all these amazing things instead. So I'm not going to have the banoffee pie, you know, but every so often I have allowed myself as well because I don't believe in full deprivation. Mm -hmm. So every time I've gone, you know what, have that mango cheesecake. And so, but what I do differently is instead of going, oh, oh my God, this is amazing. This is incredible. This tastes divine. Oh, this is delicious. This is delectable. Oh my God, I love it. I love it. I love it. Because then your mind's like, wow, this is so good. I want more of that. Yeah. I want more of that. <laughs> yes. I eat it and I notice the things that aren't so good. So I notice that when I have sugar, I get furry teeth. Um, mm. I get indigestion. Sometimes mm -hmm. I get gas, you know, oversharing there, you know. I, I yeah, no, no, no. You know, and my stomach will bloat it's not a good experience for my body once I have right. the sugar. So what I do is I heighten those things when I have it. So the next time I go and my mind goes, Oh, mango cheesecake. Another part of my mind goes, Oh no. Yeah. Do you remember the furry yeah. teeth, the bloating, <laughs> the farting. Yeah. You know, yeah right. And so huh. then I can go. And so every so often I have allowed myself to have something to just kind of gauge. Whereas before um, RTT, I couldn't do that at all. It was all or nothing. Right. So once, once I start, once I let sugar back in, that was me. I was like sugar, 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 sugar. Yeah. Um, whereas now I've had it, I can link pain to it or I can not, even if I'm not linking pain to it, I'm not linking pleasure to it. Mm. Now in the morning, I'll have a mandarin and I'll stand in my kitchen and I'll go, oh my God, this is so delicious. This is amazing. And I'll do it over something that's healthy. Mm -hmm. And it actually is. Mandarins are delicious at the moment, um, you know. And so, and then my mind will go, have another mandarin instead mm. of have, have another cake, have another pie, right. have another, yeah. That's so interesting because essentially you're talking about training your brain, aren't you, through yeah. sort of your choices rather than learnt behaviour. And it's also you brought up so many interesting things there about kind of cultural, societal behaviours and things that we learn that might not seem obvious, but actually can have a massive impact on us later on. And how interesting about that pain, you talked about your shoulder pain and the gluten-free brownies is gluten-free, so it's obviously for you, you know, and the things yeah. that our brain tells itself, which is so interesting. I can really resonate with that, that you, you see something and you think it's meant for you, but actually, is it what you really want? Um, mm. and, and also that all or nothing idea, that's really fascinating because I do feel like it's definitely not a great thing. Kind of one of the outcomes of diet culture is that that people will either feel hopeless, like they can't, they have no control over it, so there's nothing they can do anyway, or extremely controlled where they can't have anything. And, and it's not really a safe middle ground, is it? There's, there's not somewhere in the middle that feels more relaxed and more comfortable. And what you're talking about is, is finding somewhere in the middle that is safer and you can have control but not be over controlling and also make choices for yourself and, and make commitments to yourself and keep them which is amazing that sort of freedom that's food freedom yeah. after that's all of right. that kind of addiction yeah and when I allow myself to have something now I say that I'm allowed I'm not I'm, I'm choosing to eat this I'm giving myself permission or I'm allowing myself to have this and then I when I suffer the consequences which I sometimes do 
I don't beat myself up for it. I just mm. notice the consequences. So I don't go, oh, see, look, you shouldn't have eaten that ice cream. Or like recently I had an experience with sugar-free products. Oh, I have now linked pain to sugar-free products. You okay. know? And, and so, because I was so sick. And so mm. instead of beating myself up for having the thing, I just went, I'm never going to have that again. And never to the mind is a programming word. So, right. you know, when you say I'm never going to eat that, you know, with, when there's pain linked to it, mm-hmm. um, the, you know, like if you're vomiting and then you're going, I'm never going to do this, your mind's going, yeah, because this is so much pain, you know. Um, if I'm eating something, oh, I'm never going to eat this again. Mm, yummy, it's so good, but I'm never going to do it again. Well, there's pleasure there. Right. So the mind's going, well, I'm not listening to that because I'm listening to the pleasure rather than right. the word. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, and, and it's so, almost confusing, isn't it? That it's confusing never. So the next time you use never, your mind's like, "But what does that word mean again?" Exactly. <laughs> and so, so when I do have something, I'm really conscious of not going, "Oh, you're such a bad person! Like you've broken your fast or right. you've broken your diet." Because one of the things Marissa taught us was that diets fail us. We don't fail diets because they don't mm. change what's going on in the brain. Right. They just, like you said, they can trot make you feel really hopeless because I can't eat anything and it's not mm. fair and you have to watch everybody else eating all this yummy stuff and I can't have it and it's not fair or you're like I'm so rigid and controlled and I've done all of that mm. I've done the cabbage soup diet the uh, Dukan diet uh, I, I, I can't even remember the names of all the diets I tried over the years you know but even with the cabbage soup one I didn't even make the cabbage soup I took cabbage soup pills or something you know oh, I, wanted the easy, I wanted the easier <laughs> softer way you know yeah. mm. So yeah, I'm conscious of linking the, the, the pain to the food experience, not to me being a bad girl because I, I right. let myself have something naughty or you're so right. bad or, you know, like, um, and I, I try and um, when I'm working with clients, um, I say to my, I say I'm, I choose, so I don't even say I am a recovered alcoholic. I say I choose to be drink-free, drug-free, smoke-free, gluten-free and 90 to 95% sugar-free. Right. So I say to my clients, what do you want to be? 90, 95%? Do you want to be 90, 10? Do you want to be 80, 20? You know, because deprivation, when I have done deprivation in the past and gone totally sugar-free, when I've had some sugar, I have just completely folded in the past. Right. Now, I don't believe that will happen to me again at all because I've changed all the beliefs around why I needed the sugar and why I needed the excess weight. So I don't believe that if I allowed myself to have something today, I'm going to go and buy that thing tomorrow. But that's what I used to do. So I'd, I'd have the tub of ice cream today. I'd go out and get the tub of ice cream the next day and the next day and the next day and the next mm. day. Even though I was saying I'll never do this again, mm. I'm never going to have this again, I would go and do it again. Right. So, But because I've rewired my brain, I don't have that same drive to have the same thing every single day that I used to. That's so fascinating what you've said there because you also, you've spoken quite, yeah, you've spoken about a lot of shameful feelings and I think that intensity of shame or self-loathing or whatever it might be that people can feel after eating has such a detrimental effect on us and you and you said you choose to not say you know oh you know I'm a bad person or whatever it is for for eating those things but instead just notice the consequences so that you can you can almost make that informed decision rather than a guilt reaction it's not a reaction is it it's a decision that you're making about whether you eat those things again whether that felt good for you and whether you want to have more of that and and that balance as well is really interesting in helping people decide specifically on a balance of of how much you know they want to have in their life and and we don't you know as a society we don't talk about how addictive sugar is but it is addictive it is up there like with just as much as other sort of addictive substances sugar is really addictive and not all that good for us in lots and lots of ways no no. Mm. and before i had the drink and the drugs and the smoking i had sugar as a child Mm. you know like my friends were you know sorry to any of my friends that hear this some of my friends were stealing mascara and i was stealing jelly crystals right you know to eat jelly crystals out of the packet which is pure sugar and and coloring and you know Mm. And I would take that from the dairy and they'd be trying to get something cool, you know? Um, and, I, and so, and yeah, I used to buy lollies at school. I had sugar from a very young age mm. and then that just got replaced when the alcohol came in. I didn't need right. the sugar so much yeah. and things just flipped around. Whereas 
I feel where I'm at right now, there's nothing like I love exercising, but I wouldn't even say exercise was an addiction for me. Mm. You know, like I haven't gone, okay, now I'm addicted to exercise or mm -hmm. addicted to healthy eating. Like I just feel like I'm quite balanced and quite normal. Sometimes I will allow myself to have something. Sometimes I will miss an exercise class. Sometimes mm. I won't exercise for a week and other times I'll exercise five or six times a week. You know, it, it all just goes and ebbs and flows of what's happening in life. But I absolutely love exercise. And, and I was a couch potato eating three or four ice creams every night. Right. And now I swim and dance and bounce on trampolines and amazing. you know all these amazing things that I didn't do before because I was just sitting there miserable and eating. Right. That's so, so powerful what you've said. And and also the journey that you've taken us on. So thank you for being so vulnerable because I think it, it is a really important topic to explore and one that is tricky and complex and has so many issues and, and is relevant to everybody you know food is relevant to everyone and we all have things that we might find difficult about our eating and we, you touched on a couple of other things that are really important but affirmations seem to be one of the sort of key things that you use and obviously the, the rapid transformational therapy as well I wonder if there's anything else sort of significant in there that, that we haven't mentioned that you think was was definitely a real sort of tool that supported you in that time? Yeah, so one of the things that I actually learned in a 12-step group, but I use with clients that come to me for drink, drugs, smoking, food, any kind mm. of addiction, is the HALT technique. Mm -hmm. okay. So, you know, to, to actually, and I put this into people's hypnotic recordings, that when you feel the urge or the craving or whatever the words that they feel, um, you, you feel compelled to stop. You feel right. compelled to HALT mm -hmm. and check in with yourself. Are you hungry? If you're hungry, eat something healthy, nuts, seeds, fruits, vegetables, or a healthy meal if it's dinner time. Are you angry, anxious, sad, frustrated, disappointed, feeling something? Mm -hmm. Address the feelings, feel the feelings, acknowledge the feelings to yourself. Don't eat the feelings, you know. Right. Are you lonely? Are you lonely? Then phone a friend, reach out for connection, ask for a hug, you know, create that connection, whether it's even just a FaceTime or something, have some contact with another person. Um, and tired or thirsty for the tea mm. so if I'm tired I used to be like oh I'm tired I need some food for energy right so I actually need I actually either need rest mm -hmm. or I maybe need to get up and move my body a bit and re-energize myself right you know um, if, you know especially if I can't sleep you know getting up and going for a walk around the block can give me some energy or some fresh air um, and thirsty was a big one as well. And that's more so with, with the drinking. Like mm. if I was thirsty, oh, I want an alcoholic drink. No, right. I'll drink some water or a herbal tea. Mm -hmm. And then I tell my clients to add their triggers into that process. So that could be bored. Mm. That could be pain. Pain was a huge one for me. Physical pain. Sugar's not going to take away the physical pain. But, no. you know, like that's what my mind would keep telling me. And like mm -hmm. I said, when we're taught, when you fall over, you give yourself a lollipop. Right. Um, so, yeah adding in different things, bored, pain, cold. Sometimes, oh, I'm cold. I need to eat something to warm myself up. No, I just need to put on a jumper, you know? Um, <laughs> right. I'm like a yeah. cup of tea at that point, but actually, no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I just need a jumper. Yeah. Yes. A cup, cup of tea with lots of sugar in yeah. it. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, you know, work out what your triggers are and then work out a healthier way other than food to address them, you know? And, and for some, you know, so for me, um, you know, that HALT technique is, is probably one of the things that um, I've transferred over from my, you know, 12 step into my mm. therapy. Because mm. I use, you know, I'm very much, uh, when I do therapy, I very much follow the RTT process, but then yeah. I will teach, then I will send things that I think are helpful over right. the kind of time that they're listening to the recording. And the HALT technique is one I send quite a lot. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, along with, yeah, like what we've already mentioned, affirmations affirmations both from marissa and from louise hay i learned so how much powerful they are to do in the in the mirror you know right. so on, on my website i've got examples of me doing them in the mirror and they're quite like i laugh at them and i cringe because i'm so over the top i'm like i'm enough <laughs> i love myself yeah i'm enough it's amazing in the mirror you know i'm i'm kind of overdoing it for the purposes of the video but the more feeling you can add to it the better it is and so one of the things with the weight loss is the slimming statement. So mm. writing out, I am slim, fit and healthy. I weigh 66 kg or 67 or 68, whatever. Um, I'm, I exercise. I love exercising. Um, I fit smaller clothes. My tummy's getting flatter. Um, I'm wearing tighter clothes, things like that. Written down on the mirror with a photo. It's still in my bathroom. 
and I read that out into the mirror from 80 something kg and you know and it wasn't every day you know I wasn't perfect but every time I would remember I would read it out into the mirror to me as if it was real and mm -hmm. my mind would go no you're look at you look at your fat stomach and throw stuff back at me and I would just say it anyway mm -hmm. I am and in the present I yeah. am slim fit and healthy I am exercising every day I am taking healthy food with me because being gluten-free sometimes you, you end up somewhere and it is just the gluten-free brownie that's available. Right, right, and right. so, you know, so as long as I take things with me, mm. um, nuts, seeds, you know, we've got these snack ball things here that are made from dates and stuff, taking mm. things like that. Mm. Um, so, but reading that in the mirror, I did that because I didn't hadn't didn't have an RTT session with a hypnotic recording to listen to for, for, for a few months. So I was yeah. just doing all that stuff and it all still worked. Wow. You know, but you have to do it. Yes, just makes permanent. Yeah, you know, I, I did it once and it didn't work. Well, no, of course it's not going to work mm -hmm. once. I didn't just get in a car once and be able to drive. I had to get in and, and you know <laughs> over and over and over and practice. Yeah. So it's been the same thing with everything that I've done. I've had to practice it. You know, slip back, practice it, slip yeah. back, practice it until it's now a permanent part of who I am. Right. And, you know nine times out of 10, I will do the healthy thing. And only one time out of 10, I might do the unhealthy thing. And then I can look at it and go, well, I wonder why I did that. Mm. Or I've just given myself permission to do it. Right. And it's really a process, isn't it? That sort of, you know, whether you call it a healing journey or just a recovery from whatever it was that you're you're struggling with, but it really is a process. And, and those setbacks are really important because it means that we then learn more about ourselves. Like the mistakes aren't failure. And that's a really oh. big one, I think, where people feel like I've fallen off the wagon. So now there's no point. I might as well eat what I want to eat. But actually the mistakes are there for us to learn learn and understand more about ourselves, more about our body and our brain and, and our emotions. And and it, it's not, you know, it, that cycle of kind of putting a lot of shame on ourselves when we fall off the wagon or whatever it is, is really yeah. unhelpful in terms of moving that process on. And so what you're describing sounds really idyllic in a way because you're able to say, well, actually, yeah, I, I chose to have that one in 10 moment or yeah. what was going on there? Why did I feel like I needed it? And you're able to be curious about it and be kind of that sort of detective in, the, in that moment, your problem solving yeah. rather than piling on sort of shame or guilt or, or all those feelings that are really low low energy and make us feel even worse yeah in New Zealand we had what we call our first lockdown which was where mm. we completely went into lockdown and then the second lockdown there was certain levels of people could work if they right. were essential services and things right my partner could still work because mm. there was no contact with customers okay so the first lockdown I moved in with him and it was great. We cooked together. We had, we did all these things together. It was really nice. You know, Aww. I did some work, he, he, you know, and stuff. And he did work on his property while I was doing some hypnosis workshops and things like that. And, and so it was really nice. And then the second lockdown, I thought, well, there's no point me moving into his place mm -hmm. because he's not going to be there. So I stayed right. home, but I didn't have dancing on a Monday. I didn't have swimming. Mm. I didn't have my 12-step group. I didn't have face-to-face -face clients. And I noticed that I bought a few things and I was like, hmm, these are kind of like sugary, sweetie treat things, you know, like what mm. you think of. I was like, oh, I wonder what this is. And again, I sat there and I'm like, I'm the part of the rain. And it was like, well, you're lonely, hungry, oh, angry, lonely, tired. Yeah, and I course. saw the real big lonely. And then it was like remembering at times when I was a lonely child right. and eating as a, as a child that made me feel less lonely or you know even sometimes you'd be at a party with friends but you'd feel lonely even yeah. at the party yeah and so the food at the party was what made me feel good you know at the birthday party or something yeah. or if you yeah. had a falling out with your girl you know like as we all did as teenage yeah. girls and, <laughs> yes. you know, falling out with your friends and so I'll yeah. just be eating and and so, yeah, I noticed, ah, so there was, a, and that one hadn't come up before mm. because it hadn't been an issue mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I, you know, but if I look back pre-40, right. when I was working and coming home every night, that would have been the big trigger then because I right. had very little in my life, you know, yeah. um, although I made out to everyone, there was a lot in my life, but there mm -hmm. wasn't because I was just mm -hmm. coming home. And so it was like, I could go, it's okay. It's only temporary. 
I'm not going to be lonely and you know I'm going to see my I still saw my partner on the weekends and it's not forever and it's only it's you know it's only for a few weeks or however long it was and mm. and yeah so I can understand why with the lockdowns around the world why so many people are in their addictions in their eating you know having issues come up because Lots of people are stuck home alone, lonely. Lots of people are used to having space, are now all with people for longer, and it's triggering all sorts of things. And then people are comfort eating, people are drinking more, smoking more, doing whatever more. Absolutely. So, I so yeah. That's such an important point you've made there because I do think that people are coming out of their respective lockdowns, wherever it is, and and realising that they potentially... You know, I've come out of lockdown and thinking, wow, I need to sort my eating out, like just because of of that awareness of how things have been different and just like you say all of those little triggers that we might have that potentially lean on feelings we had from from when we were younger or whatever and it, it it's really easy to sort of lean back into those behaviors that you might have when you've got other things going on in your life that keep you busy and work that makes you feel fulfilled and friends that that make you don't it means that you don't feel lonely all of those things are meeting those needs but then for whatever reason if you can't have them lots and lots of our needs are not being met in the way they were before so we're having to find other ways to meet them ourselves and food is an easy crutch isn't it food is an easy way to do that but not actually long term what most people really want you know most of us don't want to put weight on or feel sick because we've eaten too much and all of that so so interesting it's amazing how when i say to clients especially the clients if the clients have gone back to sexual abuse or the Mm. need to be overweight because of, of something like that for protection then it's not not necessarily the same case but if they've gone back to it comforts me it makes me feel better and then I say um, to them okay so you know do you have a child or and if they don't have a child just you know someone with a child you know and if they came to you and, and said you know these are you know like I'm being bullied at school I, I don't feel like I fit in I feel like I'm different I've got glasses and nobody and I've been teased for having glasses or you know I'm I'm, I'm bigger than the other kids in the class and if we as adults went oh, that's okay, here, have some cake, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Like, what? You yeah. Know? Like, but, but that's what's happening and that's what we're doing to ourselves. Mm-hmm. If I came to you and said, um, I'm having trouble in my relationship, I think I might be, you know, the relationship, I might be getting a divorce, I might lose the house, you know, mm-hmm. my, my job, and you went, oh, here, Lorraine, have a lollipop. <laughs> right. What? It sounds you know, ridiculous. Like, yeah. Yeah. But that's what we're doing to ourselves. You know, oh, I've had a stressful day. I'm having problems in my relationship. Oh, I'll have some cake. Mm. And it's not actually working. It's not taking away any of the problems or issues. It just for the moment while we eat, maybe we might get some satisfaction, happiness, the taste receptors. It might feel good in that moment. Mm. But that doesn't last long enough. So then we do it again. That's why we have the three or four ice creams a night and not just the one because right. it's, it's not enough. It's not, fe- it's not, the yeah, feeling. yeah, to take away the pain or whatever it is. That is so interesting. I feel like we could talk about this topic for ages. It's such a big one, isn't it? But I'm keen yeah. to, I'm keen to talk a bit more about what you're doing now. So tell us, yeah. tell the listeners what, what it is that you're doing now and how this has kind of led onto that because you touched on it you've given us some teasers um as we've yeah, gone yeah. through but yeah give let us know a bit more about what you're doing now yeah so now i so i came back from london trained as as the rapid transformational therapist and then you know have ongoing continued professional development as i continue and so the first year i think it was another 450 hours of you know training on top of the mm. training i did in london but i started seeing clients i went down to four days a week then i went down to three days a week and then in 2018 i went all guns and i'm going i'm giving this all you know so i now am doing full-time rapid transformational therapy Amazing. and as with any self-employed it's you know comes in waves and stuff mm. but it's, it's and i i run you know workshops to help people on a group level or okay. i do one-on-one therapy so because I've overcome drink, drugs, the overeating and the excess weight, you know, being 104 kg and the mm. panic and anxiety. So I was on and off the antidepressants for 16 years. Mm. I had uh, three RTT sessions and then came off the antidepressants. And so I haven't been back on them for almost, yeah, so coming up four years later this wow. year. I was wow. single for 11 years and now I'm almost three years in the most loving relationship I've ever had in my life, which is amazing. Oh, that's um, lovely. I know. And when we face challenges, we keep going and working at them. It's really great. 
So because I've had all of those things, I then didn't go, I'm just going to help weight loss clients with hypnosis, you know, with the RTT. So I've gone a bit broader, mm. um, which means, you know, that I can, because I've got that experience, my own life experience yeah. with, with so many different addictions and the training, and I continue of to course. read books and train and, and upskill myself. So I help people with anxiety is a huge one of mine. Weight is a big one. Just general self-confidence, mm-hmm. anything, basically. If you have something in your life that you don't want, mm-hmm. I can help you be free of it. Right. If you have something that you want, but you just can't seem to get, I can help you get it. Because what I've learned and how I like to describe it is the mind's like a computer. Mm-hmm. First off, it's got every single thing we've ever done and experienced stored in there. Mm-hmm. And it's running programs. So there's a make the bed program. I don't make my bed every day. <laughs> you know, like, um, so I haven't quite got the make the bed every day program running. <laughs> And I understand why when I was a child, to me, making the bed was pain. I didn't like it. And so when I'm old enough, I'm never going to make the bed, you know? Right, right. Um, We've got doing the dishes program. We'll have a morning routine program. We'll have a shower program. Like I start with washing my hair. My partner Mm -hmm. might start with washing his body. We've all got different programs for Mm -hmm. how we're doing. Some of these programs are not good for us. They're not beneficial. Drinking, drugging, smoking, overeating, you know, when they go to the extreme. Mm. And so basically I say I work with clients to help them find the programs in their minds that are not doing what they want them to do and either right. delete them right. or upgrade them. You know, okay. like we update our laptops, our we do. Um, phones, our my, mm-hmm. even my swim watch gets up, updated software. Why wouldn't I update the software in my mind? Right. You know? So... Yeah, so I help people update the software in their mind. I take people back to where is the program started? What is the program? Because some people won't know that they've got a a program running that says I'm not enough, you know, or I'm not worthy or I'm not lovable. We find that program and then we change it. So with some clients, they will choose to delete the program. But if the program is there because it's trying to protect you, Sometimes the program doesn't want to be deleted because it's I'm there to protect you. So then we'll upgrade it. So instead of protecting me through excess weight, protect me through helping me be confident, believing in myself, going and getting fit so that I'm slim and strong, so that I could fight for myself if I needed to. Because actually, I over as overweight, I couldn't couldn't have fought anyway because I was right. unfit. Mm-hmm. You know, so reprogramming people's brains. And every client gets their own personalized hypnotic recording mm-hmm. that deals with what emerges for them. So if it's weight loss, using that example, they might say, I want to be 70 kg, size 12. Uh, I want to run, swim, dance, whatever. I'll put all of that stuff into their recording as well as whatever the program is that came up. So we, we undo that, that program. And we see things like, I hate exercising. It's too painful. And so it's like then getting the brain to go, actually, I love exercising. I want to exercise. I enjoy exercise. I enjoy moving my body. Mm-hmm. It might have been painful when I was a kid and it was embarrassing in PE class because I couldn't do what everyone else could do. Right. And I fell over and made a right. fool of myself or right. somebody laughed at me because I got hit in the head with a ball or, you know, and so I decided I'm never going to play sport again. And now I'm an adult and I want to play sport, but I can't because I've got this old belief going, no, you hate it. It's not good for right. you. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, I just, I, I, I absolutely love it because, um, yeah, some people go back to some really deep, dark, distressing, traumatic stuff, of course. Um, but I get to help them to be free of that, Yeah, you know, yeah. To, to see, because it's not necessarily that the thing that actually hurt us, it's, it's more what we thought about ourselves, right? you know, yeah. so, so, you know, mummy and daddy are fighting and it means I'm powerless and I'm unlovable. Right. No, mums and dads fight all the time, but it's mm-hmm. because you decided that, that that's what's gone on and hurt you. Yeah. Um, you know, mum won't let me have two ice creams. When I'm old enough and when I leave home and I've got my own money and a job, I'm going to have as much ice cream as I want, which was, you know, probably one of mine. <laughs> um, right. You know, like, because mum was doing a good thing, not letting mm-hmm. you have the whole tub of mm-hmm. ice cream or, mm-hmm. you know, but... The child minds want wants more because it tastes nice or it makes you yeah. feel good or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so all those programs, um, I saw. I had one lady who she was in the back of a car driving past the dairy, and every time they went past the dairy, which is like a corner store, you mm. know, like you know that you'd drive past, and she would longingly look out for an ice cream. She knew not to ask her mum because if she asked, it was a definite no. But every so often, mum would go, "Okay, we'll have an ice cream," but you never knew when. Right. Like every right. single time she drove past, four or five years old, looking out the window, 
I want ice cream. I want ice cream. She's in her 60s eating ice cream and yogurt and, de- and creamy things all the time because when she was five, her mind programmed her to want it as much yeah. as she could have it, Yeah, you know? And so it's things like that that is just so fascinating. Um, the programs that we have running are not necessarily all because of deep trauma mm-hmm. or thing, really bad things that happened to us. It's day-to-day things that happened in life where our little child mind made the wrong decision or the wrong assumption or created a belief that went, oh, I'm not good enough because I didn't do something right. Or, you know, instead of being able to go, oh, it's because I'm a child. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can't do that because I'm only five. What five-year-old can stop mum and dad fighting? You know, like things like that. Then the, and, and that's what we look for is, is the decisions the mind made, the beliefs the mind created, and then we change those. I love that. Yeah, to more mm. positive stuff and and uh, and upgrade it to what's true. Mm. You know, like I am actually okay today. Yes, you know, like, I, I am slim, fit, and healthy. I am, you know, choosing good things or or whatever. So I'm not that five year old, seven year old, ten year old, twelve year old. I'm actually a forty four year old woman. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. yeah, and I can make choices for myself. Absolutely, yeah. I yeah. absolutely love that analogy as well of the of the kind of computer programs because I feel like that's just so accessible like why wouldn't we up why wouldn't we update our mind and our beliefs you know it's so so important and and it's not something to be worried about or ashamed of or you know that reaching out for support is is the kind of responsible thing to do if you're having a difficult time and and I think it is is so much more accessible now there's so many more ways of doing it and this is just incredible I think it's really really great to see such an insight into how rtt works so thank you so much it's been a real 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 pleasure to kind of go through this whole process and we we took a slightly different route than than quite often i do in the podcast but i'm i'm really happy that we did i feel like that was so powerful and there were so many really important bits of knowledge and understanding in there that might just help someone make some shifts and make some decisions for themselves which which really support themselves and and yeah and me selfishly from my point of view i i really enjoyed that as well that was some of the stuff that i needed to hear massively i love that so how do people get in touch with you if this really resonated with them and they thought yeah i love this i want to know more what's the best way for them to reach out to you yeah so the best is you know my website lorrainemaguire.com or Lorraine Maguire Therapy in Facebook or Instagram. Uh, they're the main three places, but mainly, you know, LorraineMaguire.com, my website. They can book a free, you know, 20 minute, no obligation phone call or Zoom call with me. I do sessions with people around the world. I've done sessions with people in the UK, in Wales, in America, in Hong Kong, all different places. It works just as well online as it does in person. Perfect. Uh, and I'm quite unique because I share myself with my clients. So I'm not the therapist that sits behind the clipboard and, you know, oh, yes, oh, yes. You know, like if I've got some experience, I can say that happened to me too. And, right. And so, and that, and that gets people understanding that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. You know, like I often sing in my head, you are not alone, <laughs> you know, because, because we're not, you know, every no. single person in the world could have a program that could come and have RTT for, and it doesn't mm-hmm. mean you've got mental health issues. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It's just that somewhere in your life, you've picked up a program that you don't need anymore. I absolutely love that because that is, you know, that's the perfect place to end in the sense that I'm, this is always the message of the podcast is that you're not on your own. You're not on your own. We all have challenges. We all find things difficult and there are some amazing ways of getting support out there. And this is, this is one really, really incredible one that I'm so glad we've touched on today and you've told us sort of lots and lots of interesting stuff about it so thank you so so much is there any sort of final thoughts or anything you think I just wanted to share that and I haven't had a chance to do it no I think that keep going like one mm. of the things I say is don't give up before the miracle happens right. keep keep going yeah. you know like if you're standing in front of the mirror and you think it's not working it might be the next day that your mind goes oh she is enough you know like just keep going like one week I listened to 44 affirmation recordings because I was oh, having wow. a tough time and I just Gosh. hammered them. And by the end of the week, I started to come out of the funk, you know, and right. I started to lift up. So I'm still going, don't give up, keep going. If you have another issue come up, get another session, get another type of therapy, do something, you know, don't, don't stop. Just keep, keep going, keep going, keep growing. Love that. Thank you so, so much. I massively appreciate it. 
what a brilliant episode. I am so grateful to Lorraine for sharing her time and expertise with us today. And there was just so much in there and so much supportive, helpful guidance really on how we can begin to change some of the behaviours that we might not be happy with and we might not be enjoying anymore. And just also some really useful information about rapid transformational therapy and how supportive that can be for addictive behaviours as well. If you are struggling with any of these problems or issues, remember there is lots of support out there for you. If you click on the link that goes with this podcast, it takes you straight to the show notes of this episode and also signposts you to some places that you can reach out for support. Otherwise, there are lots of RTT therapists available to work with and Lorraine obviously has given you her details as well to work with her. Other therapies also are available as well, lots of which you can access on the NHS if you are in the UK and other healthcare services elsewhere. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I think there was so much good stuff in here. Otherwise, take really good care and you'll hear from me soon.